What's up, guys? Welcome to Winnipeg's Finest, the podcast where we get personal with notable Winnipeggers. If you haven't been with us before, here's what you've missed. Like, I even feel like I've always known that I was supposed to be here. So it's like, even if there was stuff that I went through, I always went through it knowing that mm-hmm. this isn't like the end of everything. You know yeah. what I mean? This isn't the end of the world. If there's anything actually that I would tell myself, is to not be so afraid of failure. Oh yeah. Um, how different was it for you to uh, watch a movie where Kevin Spacey is the villain? I mean, I feel like they just told him to be himself. <laughs> it's like, dude, be a shitty person who's a predator and like does bad things. And yeah. Kevin Spacey is like, I got you. Oh boy, this is my role. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mr. Professor, look at me, making money. What? Call campus security. Thank you so, so much to the fans who continue to support. You guys are awesome. We love you like crazy. This is why we love podcasting. This is why we love bringing you guys episodes. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Remember to follow us on social media at WPGS Finest Pod on Instagram. And make sure you're staying posted and telling people about the podcast. We appreciate and love the support you give us. So just know that it lifts us up so much and we're very grateful. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Winnipeg's Finest. Today's guests are Shannon Furness and Dan Mortimer, also known as Dan from Asper. This is something I've looked forward to my entire life. I just didn't know it for the first, like, 20 years. Um, this is Winnipeg Twitter Hall of Fame podcasting. So uh, I say at the beginning of the episode, too, so if you guys aren't tired of my stupid inside jokes that I make with myself to make myself laugh and to amuse myself, then I don't know what the fuck to tell you guys at this point because I honestly forgot the beginning of that sentence. So I forgot if I was supposed to say something negative at the end or something positive to reinforce my point. But at the same time, I lost my point along this very long, winded sentence. So I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to say anymore. Anyways, today's episode brought to you by Unity Underwear, the greatest place in the world to buy underwear. It is made of 95% bamboo, 5% spandex. It's hypoallergenic, thermoregulating, moisture wicking, and it fucking feels amazing. I'm wearing my pair right now. They fucking feel fantastic. If you use our code WPGSFINEST, you get 20% off all purchases. We're also brought to you by Jellyfish Float Spa, the best place in the city to receive float therapy, where you line a pod of shallow water and a thousand pounds of Epsom salts, and you can just kind of disappear into bliss. It's great for relaxing. It's great for recovering from a workout. If you use our code WPGSFINEST, you get 15, 15% off all Float purchases. In the meantime, here's our episode with Shannon Furness and Dan Mortimer. And this is officially things that Winnipeg podcast dreams are made of. But uh, so off air, we're talking about gendered products. And one of my friends used to live, he's a man, he used to live with a lesbian. And she said, as a man, you should try to smell like a lesbian. Because most women either have had experiences with other women that they enjoy or want to have one. So if you kind of smell like a woman and a man at the same time, that will increase your chances of people liking around you. I'll have to ask my friend Tim about that one. But yeah. I'll, Is he a uh, lesbian? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I guess. But for dudes, that's the male equivalent of that. Oh, okay. I, don't know. I hope Tim listens to this. I'm going to send him the link when it's done. So. Yeah, please do. Please do. Can you like break that down? I didn't really follow it. And my my like attention span and my ability to articulate things has just like gone into the garbage since COVID hit. <laughs> okay, so here's here's the thing. 
like we're talking about all men's cologne smells like shit like you got three types axe hummer and other like those are and they all smell the same they're just marketed differently and every guy secretly uses the hummer one and doesn't tell anybody else because they're embarrassed if I personally think that smells terrible and there's nothing wrong with smelling nice. So if you kind of mix women's perfume and men's cologne, A, smells better and B, her reasoning was most women have desired a woman on woman experience or had one and enjoyed it. So if you kind of play into that factor, then you're doing yourself a favor. I'm, I'm not sure it needs to go that far, but that's what I was told. I mean, it makes sense. Like, but like for me, I, I don't know. I just I just don't really understand the idea of gendering a scent. And I mean that's that's just kind of like me speaking and it's speaking to something that's just already gendered in itself because of of society. But like I resolved that issue by thinking that something like vanilla, which was like my favorite scent, can be enjoyed across both men and women. Like, I, I think a guy that smells like vanilla would be something that I would like. If a girl smells like vanilla, I think that's something that I would like. like I'm sorry, you know, like, Shannon, are you, are you saying vanilla or vanilla? Van- Isn't it the same thing? <laughs> vanilla? Vanilla? <laughs> I don't know. Don't make fun of me. Vanilla. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, the point is, is I think I just need to wear a product to cover up the fact that I naturally smell like cedar wood in time when I wake up in the morning. And I think it's a little overbearing around people it's very rustic so i need a a little spray of something is there a reason why everyone why you say every guy goes for the hummer scent like is there a reason is it cheaper is it like nostalgic i'm making a joke but it seems like well yeah dan's right all the above but like every guy i know has been like yeah dude i've used the hummer one at some point like without fail yep uh, I remember the day that Axe chocolate came out. I think I was nine. <laughs> made my dad drive me to Shoppers Drug Mart. And uh, it was like snowing heavily. And we almost got into a crash. But I got it. And I procured it day one. And for like three days, I was the sickest guy at Chief Pegwis Junior High. It was unbelievable. And then everybody else got it. And that's pretty pretty much when I peaked. So it's fine. Yeah, it Were you com- like the, the like type of person that would like dose themselves in it after gym class and just reek of it for the entire rest of the day to the point where everyone would get like a a huge migraine in like the middle of of like science class given that i don't know the answer to that then is probably by extension yes um and by extension as well that's probably the case currently with my abercrombie which i still go for and i think is objectively one of the better smelling scents and by the way, props to Abercrombie. I, I mean, yeah, a few years ago, there was a whole kerfuffle about them. But it's actually, um, it's a non-gendered scent now. The exact same scent is sold just in one bottle. And it doesn't have uh, a dude's chiseled chest, which is like, you know, which is why I bought it. Because it remember, like reminded me of myself. But it's fine. Whatever. Not a big deal. Um, but yeah, no, they changed the branding a little bit. And it's, uh, it's like a, it's like agendered now. So what happened with Abercrombie? There was a huge thing. Um, well, it wasn't one particular thing. It was a bunch of people that were coming forward that worked in the organization. And they were saying that they were, if they worked in their retail stores, they were relegated to like backroom duties if they weren't seen as like physically attractive enough. And there would be spot audits that were actually done by company representatives that would go into these retail stores 
and there was like different instances where store managers <clears throat> were reprimanded for having like why would you have a seven in the front room or why would you have an eight in the front room and they were referring to people as a number like on an, obviously implying on a scale of one to ten of their attractiveness so that's shitty you're pretty much turning somebody into they're not even an employee they're a, a model or just an object at that point in time and the same thing went for both men and women as far as i can recall and then on top of it there was the whole fact that when they were challenged on why they wouldn't have plus size clothing for women they responded saying that's not the type of person that we want our brand associated with so they took a huge hit a bunch of people boycotted them and then they did a pretty significant rebrand a couple of years later they had a new ceo and some new board members take over and i think they righted the ship and kind of got themselves on a bit of a better path now so yeah. that's the kerfuffle i was referring to Interesting. sounds like such an abercrombie thing to do but i mean like that's i mean that i i would hope that's not commonplace but i mean i like something similar to that happens at like lululemon and sephora to an extent when it comes to like them being like really selective about the people that get like the hours and then also like who get put on the floor and then who kind of get put in the back and everything like that and like like yeah. that happens at lululemon too i'm Speaking sure Lulu, we know kanan's got some tights on right now that we can't see on screen <laughs> i don't even want to show you my pants now because <laughs> are they lululemon no they're adidas but they're like those like I don't know. Those like soccer pants. Those like tight soccer pants. Oh, they're the Slavic ones, man. Like, pop, yeah. give a squat for us, man. That's good. After the I, after the podcast, do a squat. I don't yeah. think I've worn a pair of jeans since like March. <laughs> oh yeah, that's wonderful. How was everybody's Thanksgiving though? How was how was that? Let's talk about something nice, not like worker discrimination. I don't know. I was going to say like the Abercrombie and Fitch thing is obviously wrong, but to me, there's something hilarious about a, a corporation sending people in to rank the work. <laughs> no, yeah, it's super messed up, man. Like, you know, you don't have anything better to do with your time. The odds are it's like some like old, like senior, senior dude who's been there for like 30 years. He's probably like, yeah, what if their scales are all different? Like what I would call a 10, another guy would be like, oh, that's an eight. You know, how do you, how do you fix that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously it's, it's a pervasive thing. And I guess we'll evidently, we'll just talk about Thanksgiving later. I mean, that just totally went off back. <laughs> we just got roped right back to whatever we were talking about here. Yeah, my, but, my inner toxic male was like, we have to talk about this. But you know what? If, if it even goes by extension into so many other industries and it's not even something that you can pinpoint. And the reason is because there's no way of ever proving that somebody was hired or let go or was denied a job based on their appearance. And you can kind of see through a lot of restaurants, uh, specifically chains here in the city, that uh, there is uh, an unofficial appearance standard that needs to be upheld. Um, and it even goes back to there were restaurants that were getting sued because they would force their workers, their female workers, to wear heels for an eight-hour shift and couldn't take them off and stuff like that. And then you have these appearance standards with brands that want to be associated with good looking people and they want to be associated with a lifestyle. And, you know, as, as a marketer and as a, a brand developer, okay, 
like I could understand that you want to be seen a certain way, but there, fuck, like there's got to be limitations because the amount of people that would be dejected and the amount of people that would just be really objectified based on the fact that, Hey, you can't work here because frankly, you don't look a certain way, uh, is, is pretty lousy in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. That's pretty shitty to just like label people based on how they look and you're not worthy of this job. You're not worthy of that. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I'm just like shocked that people are actually like surprised that that stuff like that happens or just like unaware of like the unofficial appearance standards of like restaurants and stuff like that too. Like at the end of the day, it's just like what you said, Dan, like especially with clothing, it's not just about buying, wanting consumers to just like buy like a single piece of clothing they're wanting people to buy the brand and like kind of assume that if they're buying an article of clothing or something like that they will get to like be that person that's kind of selling that like you know it's kind of like a lifestyle and a brand that they're trying to sell and it's just about making a profit and capitalism and it's capitalism. shitty <laughs> in the city um, ding 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 <laughs> It's, it's, it roots, like the problem just goes down to capitalism. It's always capitalism. Like it's, it's just shitty. And it's like, well, it's the same, like there's so many double standards with brands like wanting to be inclusive and like empowering and stuff like that and everything like that and trying to cater to everyone. But at the end of the day, it's still quite obvious that they're like trying to appeal to like a specific type of person or anything like that. Even like, okay, even like certain like, boutique like fitness studios and fitness gyms are very clearly trying to cater to like certain demographics mm -hmm. to try and kind of <clears throat> promote this type of brand that I, I I feel like social media has really exasperated as well especially with Instagram as that's kind of been like an, a main focal point when it comes to promoting your brand that there's like really nice fitness studios or gyms in Winnipeg that are emphasizing um, a healthy lifestyle and inclusivity. But at the end of the day, they're also charging a price, something like up to $30 for a single class to take at a fit at like a gym. That's like an hour long. And it's kind know. of like, well, well, what, what population, what demographic can afford to do that? Uh, Altia Active, I think that that's one that fits the bill pretty much exactly with that. And you don't have to mention if that's who you were talking about, but I know for sure. It wasn't, but it is. Um, Planet oh. Fitness. <laughs> Planet Fitness. $15 a month. Okay, <laughs> Hello. That's a, that's a planet I want to live on. But um, where were we going with this? But okay, so Shannon said capitalism, and right away my pea brain goes in a million different directions, obviously. But you know, there's an interesting observation that I, I'd like to make. And uh, you guys for sure see it like all over social media and Shan for sure knows this reference. But you know, whenever anytime, you know, somebody tries to make some sort of proposition about like, hey, you know, maybe like socialism isn't such a bad thing, you know, maybe it's a system that can work. And you know, whenever somebody turns around and says, well, look at, you know, look at Venezuela, look at like Romania. I don't know if Romania is socialist anymore. And they start listing off, you know, some countries that are not overly successful economically or politically that happen to be socialist. The response is maybe, well, it's not real socialism. I think that there's actually a truth on the other side where a bunch of people are rightfully uh, calling out some shortcomings that free market economies are having right now. And the response is always, well, this isn't, this isn't real capitalism. It's not, it's not how it should be. 
And we pretty much at that point, <clears throat> if we're talking capitalism or socialism, it, it pretty much just shifts it from a positive statement to a normative statement. And at mm -hmm. that point, the whole thing falls apart because normative statements are always terrific. There's always a certain way that things are supposed to be. And if it's the right way, it's going to function a certain way. But I don't know. I think a big thing right now, uh, a huge issue in uh, capitalist societies, um, maybe to a lesser extent in, in European uh, free market countries. But I think the reality is that, you know, the whole thing is, you know, you have to have competition, you have to have innovation, you have to have all of these companies competing that are going to offer the best price and the best value. That's like, you can't do that anymore. Like the barrier to entry for so many industries, uh, telecommunications, oil and gas, if it's the U S pharmaceuticals, um, like you can't, you literally cannot just start a business and do well and compete anymore. Cause you're either going to get, uh, bought out with, uh, an offer that's ex incredibly attractive right off the bat or you're going to flame out because there is a lot of collusion that goes among, goes on among big firms. And you could see it in just about every industry, uh, especially banking here in Canada, that it's, it's really not necessarily capital capitalism anymore. It's, it's like that some sort of proto free market that's, you know, free for maybe 40% of the economy sectors. That's an arbitrary number. Let's call it half, maybe 60%. But the point is, is that you can't truly compete anymore. And I think that that's where a lot of people are getting frustrated because that's where we see a lot of issues of workers, uh, bargaining power going down. That's where we see uh, wages being suppressed because frankly, they can be. Um, and okay, I'm going to end my rant here, but I just thought that that was relevant since we had all of us here and we kind of went on that topic a little bit. Thanks. Thanks, Shan. You triggered me. That's great. I hope the listeners enjoyed that. <laughs> I kind of followed that. Like, I mean, I got, I got a little bit lost in the middle. I think I found my way back at the end. I, 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 I don't know, like, if you're going to kind of continue on and then just continue on into a justification for why we need to bring back, like, the invisible hand and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> Invisible hand doesn't necessarily but, but speaking on Venezuela, so I did intro macro and intro micro, and, like, literally the only country they would reference in macroeconomics was Venezuela in like a justification for why capitalism reigns like supreme and it's like the the best and it's like well, well now I understand why all of these like intro poli sci guys like like the Instagram entrepreneur meme makers are like always just on the ball about how Venezuela, Venezuela, Venezuela. I'm like, well, yeah, no kidding. When all you take is like intro macroeconomics and nothing else, or you just like pick up an intro macro textbook and read that. And that's all you see. I'm like, I, I understand, but, but yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I want to kind of get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. We, could, we should not. Get yeah. My, uh, my centrist galaxy brain is just waiting for an opportunity to be like, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle guys, but capitalism uh, and fascism are bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but your point on positive versus normative is interesting. Um, because I actually find that to be a bit like, I mean, I mean, it doesn't even have to be in reference to capitalism, but, um, positive versus normative i find social media especially like twitter and stuff like that that's a bit of an issue when it comes to a lot of people don't really i mean 
I think a lot of positive kind of statements don't really take well to a lot of Twitter people and like social media people. And it's just Can all you give an normative, that, normative. Chad? Well, it's just, it's, it's just at the end of the day, it's kind of like if, if there's like a fact that's given that doesn't really demonstrate your own position on something like like even you can give a positive statement without giving your normative kind of position on that like they're they can be separate someone can still take a positive statement as your own normative position and then kind of weaponize that to be used against you it's even okay so this is like one example and it's very minor but it, it literally happened like like last week and i and i find it's to be it's really rooted in kind of like a lot of people use Twitter, whether intentionally or unintentionally. I'm guilty of it myself. So before people are kind of like, oh, well, you're a hypocrite. I'm guilty of it myself. I've recognized it. And I'm trying to kind of make amends when it comes to moving forward. But a lot of people just use it to kind of be narciss narcissistic, but then also like just to like boost their own ego and make themselves look good, which I mean, I think I think a lot of us can agree on with social media. Um, but I guess in whereas oh yeah so the example that I'll give is like I in one of my classes um this term for Manitoba politics like we have to write a research paper and um on like a topic or an issue so I'm looking at like women's representation in local constituency electoral ridings and districts when it comes to running in election campaigns under different political parties in Manitoba and looking at women's representation in that. And so I was looking at the Conservative Party um, because they've increased their representation in Winnipeg, but they have yet to do so in the rest of rural Manitoba, which speaks to a lot of issues um, when it comes to nominating women in these ridings, which are dealing with like 15 to 20 year incumbent MLAs that are all white men. <laughs> Um, so I raised the, just, just like the question, just kind of like looking for people's positions, literally just like, it was like a Twitter poll and it was like, does incumbency impact or like, is, is incumbency a barrier to increasing women's representation in elections in Manitoba? And it was like in reference to the progressive conservatives. And then literally like someone quoted that and was like, I don't care if it increases the representation or not. I don't think it's right about wanting to get conservatives to win or something like that. And then like someone jumped on that and like just completely like started going on a tangent about how like, like, yeah, I don't, I don't get why people think that it's good to have women's representation if it's someone from the right or if it's someone from conservative when they're not going to have a good view in the first place. I'm like, so that's a straw man argument because I'm literally just asking a question after doing research and looking at statistics, looking for someone's just people's opinions on it without ever actually making a position on it, on whether I think women's representation in the conservative party is good for the conservative party and why I want to see something like that happen. Like I was literally just making a very basic or like asking a very basic question and someone could kind of manipulate that into a very kind of normative straw man argument to make a statement about kind of like just like essentially trying to make the other person look like they're trying to make a normative statement that they weren't actually making in the first place if you're still following me yeah 
So, and it's like, well, like, well, like, it's like, it's like never, I never once in the first place said that I wanted to, or that the conservatives, it would be beneficial to the conservatives. And I want them to increase representation in, of women because it'll make them more progressive. Like I, I never once said that because there's no direct link in terms of women's equality in elections to making them more progressive. It's just increasing the different types of perspectives, but it's like someone still kind of kind of like assumes that and then uses that to quote over a tweet and then they get a ton of likes on that because a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, I don't know why she's saying that. Cause like they manipulate it to make themselves look better. Always. That was a bit of a really long rant, but yeah, it's just kind of like, I, I, I find that to really resonate with like the positive versus normative issues because a lot of people just kind of, a lot of times positive statements on social media, especially Twitter, don't get a lot of kind of endorsement or don't have, aren't as successful when it comes to getting views and like a lot of good positive feedback. But if someone has, if someone can claim a normative statement that has the potential for them to get like a lot of likes or anything like that, even if it's not even like realistic, which is, it's fine or whatever, they're going to kind of go with that normative kind of aspect. Mm -hmm. So I find like it's, it's, it's a lot of the times like people will respond to a positive statement with a normative response, even though like there's really no intention of doing it in the first place. And then they're thinking that they're right when it's kind of like, they're two separate entities. Mm -hmm. Like you can compare normative versus normative, I find, and then you can kind of go on a debate. But like, if it's just someone making a positive statement with no really intention of wanting to kind of answer the question of how it ought to be versus how it is, it's kind of like, that really isn't necessary all the time. Yeah, uh, a, a good example of one that I see on, uh, or I have seen in the past on social media, is the fact that I don't I don't even remember the numbers. I think the U.S. has something like, you know, eight million homeless people. I, let's just say that that's the number. They have eight million homeless people, and they have, you know, eight and a half million vacant homes. Well, why are there homeless people then? That's so. That's the normative statement. Um, well, the positive statement is there are eight million homeless people, or whatever the number truly is. I don't know anymore. Um, given that COVID has had a significant impact on people's livelihoods. Uh, but just the idea that you would be able to move 8 million people into 8 million vacant homes uh, just like that in a short span of time is people don't want to think any further than the point of something sounds nice and it sounds correct and it sounds like a, a bit of a, a gotcha kind of moment you know, gotcha capitalists sort of thing. But in reality, nobody wants to talk about the fact that how many of those vacant homes are actually still owned by people that just frankly can't sell them. Uh, or if those vacant homes truly are vacant, uh, what are the costs and timelines associated with actually making them livable? Um, you know, surely all homes aren't an equal square footage and aren't of equal niceness. So how do we determine who gets what home? Uh, maybe there's a disproportionately high number of homes in uh, former industrial towns, but most of the homeless are in the South. How do we move homeless people up North? And that's kind of where nobody wants to talk about it. And if you mention those things, then you kind of look like an asshole because you've just shit on the fact that somebody made this really nice rosy statement about homeless people should have homes. 
and I agree. I think they should. Uh, it's just not going to happen the way you seem to think it's going to happen. So that's just but one I, example. I also find, like, I, I agree entirely, and I guess it's kind of like the point I was trying to get at. But at the end of the day, too, like Twitter, it isn't, it's unfortunately, like, it, it isn't, it's not a platform that's meant to have, like, a long-winded debate no, about not. something. Or it's, it's, it's not an, an efficient or an effective platform to do that. It always ends up in someone talking shit about someone else, but then also, like, or that, or, like, a 200, word, like, Twitter thread that no one wants to kind of go through and read. And so, like, that's why nothing really gets resolved on Twitter. But like, yeah, but it can, it can happen both on like the right and the left, but I, I agree. And I think everyone's guilty of doing it. Um, but like, even like something like in Winnipeg, like with the issue right now is restaurants and stuff like this. And this is something that I've kind of been guilty of and have been trying to kind of rectify is the idea of like, kind of like, oh, people need to kind of like stay home and stuff like that. And like, people need to stop going to restaurants. People need to kind of stop doing this and that and that. But then it's like, yeah, but that doesn't really answer the question of why people are still doing that or like why people have bills to pay and why they don't have a good, good job protection, job stability, kind of like a safety net to fall back on. Like, but those are questions that won't get resolved or answered on Twitter without like a civil war or like a Twitter war, like erupting. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know this more than anybody, Shannon. I mean, we'll kind of go into what happened a month ago, which I've been curious about since you brought up uh, in the group chat. But Twitter's just for dunking on people. Like, you can't have, like you said, you can't have a conversation with people in 280 characters. There's, that will not happen. Every time I start to respond with a tweet, at the end, I'll look and it's like, oh, you're 300 characters over. I'm like, fuck it. Not worth it. I don't care. Or I'll DM the person. It's It's not worth my time. Like, how yeah. I just wish there was a function on Twitter where you could, you know, you type out your tweet and you use a word and then you could almost uh, make the word so you could hover over it or you could click on it. And then it expands like a sub explanation of this is what I mean by this word. Like this is the specific definition because the amount of times I've been taken out of context and I've upset people and stuff on Twitter with having zero intention or you know, maybe I make a sweeping generalization that I shouldn't have. It would be nice to be able to have all sorts of, you know, caveats and limitations and explanations that could go along with each and every tweet. So somebody could read through it and say, okay, he's got his bases covered. He's not an idiot. We could take the tweet as being a generalization or whatever. I wish that was a thing because like, well, that's the problem. People take things out of context in order, they manipulate it to take it out of context to feed into their straw man argument in order to kind of typically make themselves like at, at the end of the day, like the, the outcome is usually generally to kind of make themselves feel good or make themselves look good. And I'm not saying like a lot of times, like there are important issues or gaps in a tweet that have been raised or like a perspective that is given. But at the end of the day too, a lot of the stuff that is said can be subjectively interpreted and it's never objective. So it's kind of like to shit post on someone and make themselves feel like shit because it's just essentially just like the result of taking things out of context or just subjectivity in itself. It's like, what are you trying to accomplish? I don't, I don't really understand. And so like, I mean, I've been 
careful um, in the little bit with Twitter, but I deleted it for quite a bit, which was nice, but like I'm kind of in an issue and like a lot of, what? Are you back on yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm back on now, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just cautious, um, which, which, you know what, it, it did me good because at the end of the day too, it's easy to kind of have your head inflate and get caught up in your own little Twitter world and you need some moments to kind of bring you back down to earth, which I'm pretty grateful for. Um, but I also see kind of people doing the same and going through the same kind of process. And it's just kind of like, it never really ends well. I, I find like, it's just kind of like you end up having a lot of people agreeing with you, not because they actually agree with you, but they're just kind of scared of you turning on them. And I don't think that's, it might be an effective way to kind of get support and followers, but I don't really find that a very meaningful or sustainable kind of way to kind of live your life especially on social media i just think it's really toxic and just it is it can really get to you and it's it's bad <laughs> you know it's funny i always see well not always but i i somewhat often i see like what i like to call fledgling twitter accounts and that like that sounds super condescending but like i don't mean it that way but what i mean is in reality it's an account that maybe like it doesn't have a ton of followers, but I keep seeing them in my feed getting like, you know, making these posts with like consistently pretty high levels of likes relative to their following or whatever. But usually most of these accounts will make one or two tweets a year that do like explode and do get, you know, a couple thousand uh, likes and a bunch of retweets and stuff like that. And those tweets are always like outrageous they're, they're either like inflammatory in a certain direction and then they get support from the other direction. They're just outright outrageous that I guess gets attention just because of the sheer stupidity or insanity of it. Um, or like, I don't really know what else, but it, it's, it's never like, it's never common sense stuff that shows up in your feed. It's always crazy shit. And please tell me that you guys have watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Fucking hated it. What? Dude, dude. Dude, the, the shitty acting from the fake family drove me up the wall. I couldn't okay, get past okay. it. The, I, the fake dude, family was a little stupid. I'm not going to lie. The fake family was nuts. You're from an immigrant family. If you took a hammer and broke something your parents bought, that hammer's going through your temple. There's no way the parents are just like, oh, darn, my kid's just... You know what? I'm I'm second I'm second generation from Poland. If I was first generation from Poland, there would have been some repercussions. I think I would have gotten a stern talking to and maybe had my Xbox taken away. I don't know if I would have had uh, the hammer brought down on me literally. Okay, um, I'm okay. Then I'm I I don't have anybody to back me up. And then I just assume somebody's gonna cancel me on Twitter. Are you from an immigrant family? Is that oh, like a thing? I am. Yeah, both my parents weren't born here. They would have fucked me up if where, I. Where were they born? My dad's from Brazil, which is a third world country. So keep that in mind. And okay. my mom's from Portugal. Where... Second. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to correct you because you are of that heritage. That just came across super bad. No, no. If, if, you, if, you think, if you think it's second, that's all good. It's, uh, well, it's third world for the many people that get murdered there every year. <laughs> yeah. Just if you want the full, you know, Brazilian experience, just wonder what it would be like if you cheered against the jets and you got shanked in the parking lot at Bellum's yes place that's but instead of cheering against the jets you just went to like a drugstore to buy non-gender <laughs> hair products 
Yeah, and you were wearing a color. You were wearing like a shirt of the other team. It just so happened to coincide. You know, you're not a Flyers fan at all, but they were in town and somebody's like, oh, you motherfucker, and they stabbed you. So, okay, so both your parents are from Brazil. My mom's from Portugal, like this hillbilly town in Portugal. And so they've, you know, they've got the immigrant mentality of like, I came here to give you a better life. So if you don't do what I say, I'll fuck you up. And yeah, my parents hit me when I was a kid. Definitely not a ton, but like enough to, you know, strike the fear of God into me. So yeah, if I took a hammer to something they paid for, oh, it'd go through my face. Like, like a respectful amount of hitting, like nothing that'll scar you, but like enough to, you know, put you in line. Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a whole other discussion. I don't know if we should go down. Kanan, are, are you, you look like just a generic Canadian guy. Like, where are you from? Where's your, what's your lineage? Like, you literally have I a know, dude. flag in the background, which at the bomber's cap, you're so Canadian. Now. Uh, I don't know. Canada, I'm Canadian too, obviously. Like, Ukrainian. Yeah. Uh, Half of Winnipeg's Ukrainian. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Scottish and... Baseline, just like Scandinavian, just like somewhere in that like European. Oh, yeah. This is every white person's is, answer ever. Yeah, yeah I am like the I am literally white the whitest person. person you can you you can create. I'm like seventy five yeah. different things. Blonde hair, blue eyes, and I have like all the white lineage. Like I'm. I'm like I'm like twenty seven point zero five seven percent Dutch. Um, oh. another fifteen point three percent. Scottish? No, that's just literally like such a white person thing to yeah, do. Yeah, I was gonna say it sounded like the trope. I wasn't gonna call you out on it because it's none of my business. But I'm glad you were just kidding. Do you actually know like your lineage though? No. Well, I mean, like that is what my lineage is. But like, I was, I was yeah. also talking to Shannon. Oh, the time's done, Kanan. yeah, Kanan. We moved on from you. Sorry, Kanan. <laughs> <laughs> you um, Go have a vape outside, Kanan, and come back. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to take a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah, <laughs> go finish crying and listening to, like, Frank Ocean. <laughs> um, go hang on to the other side of your LSD blanket and get back to us in 10. Um, I, I, I don't know the percentage, but, yeah, I'm, my dad's parents came over from England, and um, my mom is Scottish and Dutch. So yeah, I'm, I'm white, like really, really white. Um, my other half of the family, unfortunate, uh, well, not, well, not unfortunately, but I guess like, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, I guess this doesn't really, it, it, it's not really relevant because it's the part of my family that was married into my family, but they're all like full-blown Selkirk settlers, which is pretty cool because they have like a lot of history, but like also it can create some pretty fiery Christmas dinner debates, oh, yeah. um, which are a lot of fun. And I, I mean, but like also, also scary, but like, I also miss those because we didn't have Thanksgiving this year. Um, but, but yeah, I'm white. I'm, I'm really white. The Selkirk settlers were, I, why do I feel bad for not knowing? Were they were they Métis or were they German? I might be confusing. They, they, they were not Métis. Let's let's just say to summarize it up. Um, I grew up kind of with. I mean, I mean, like like I grew up kind of with family, not not like all my family, but like part of my family and everything that would kind of call Louis Riel Day Trader Day, which I particularly my dad but like I I whipped that out of him pretty quick (laughs) um but but yeah it's it was 
it would create some pretty fiery family dinners. Let's just say. So, so what <laughs> you're saying? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Wayne. No, you go. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna make a I'm shitty just, reference. Go ahead. I would. I kind of want to hear it now, but I was <laughs> I'll in make it Vancouver after. a couple of years ago. Um, it was like a business school academic competition conference thing. It was. It was fun. It was a long two days. Um, but I would run into people from like all these different provinces, like Western provinces, not even like Ontario, Quebec. It was just a Western Canada thing. And, you know, got some drinks in the system and we were all just like chatting. And for whatever reason, one of the things that came into my head was, I think it was cause this was in January or February. It was right around the Real day. And I was asking, cause it's like family day in other provinces. It's like another, it's like another thing. So I was asking like these people from different schools, like, Hey, so like, what's the stance on Louis Riel in these provinces? And nobody had an, a single clue who I was talking to or who I was talking about is what I meant to say. I was talking to people. People knew who I was talking to, but they didn't know who I was talking about. Who's that guy at the table by himself over there? <laughs> just talking. He just, just pulled up a chair. Game. I don't even know this guy. <laughs> Um, yeah, but apparently nobody has any idea who Louis Riel is or like if they mention him, it's like, oh, I think he was mentioned once in history and like, that's it. There, it's, it's always like, oh, wasn't he the guy that like got hung by the government or something like that or like stuff like that or like a response I've had is, wasn't he like a guy that was like schizophrenic or something like that? I'm like, the state of our public education system is just, I think, I think that's a sign. <laughs> Is he, uh, he was like, he was, no, he wasn't schizophrenic, no, or was he schizophrenic? But the point was that I remember is he was, his lawyer or his representative was like, hey man, you got to plead like being insane or else they're going to hang you. And he's like, nah, I'll just be hung. And that was it. And he wanted his, like his cause to not think that they were following a madman or something like that. My, my true goat behavior. My, my grade 11 teacher had a, my history teacher, he and I had like a really good relationship and he had a t-shirt that said, keeping it real. And he would wear it all the time. And it was, I want it so bad. I'm just like, I I appreciate the puns so much. Like the one that your (laughs) teacher had or just a copy of the shirt? I just want a copy of the shirt. You know, that would be, that, that would be really creepy. (laughs) You just made me really uncomfortable (laughs) thinking back to like my high school time. Oh. Oh, no. Are you uncomfortable because okay. you're thinking of your teacher's body wearing the shirt? Or are you uncomfortable? Okay. You no, we're not, we're not. We're not getting. We're, we're not opening up that can. Because you're thinking of going to high school in Stonewall because they're both legit. Are you are you dissing high school in Stonewall? Yeah. What about it? They actually had an outbreak of COVID a few weeks, like a week ago. So you're just giving me more ammo <laughs> to diss Stonewall. I think of trucks whenever I hear Stonewall. I think of trucks and the quarry and not always separately. I think of trucks at the quarry sometimes, in fact. That is a problem, actually. The trucks will go into the quarry parking lot and they'll do donuts to the point where the town ended up locking the parking lot to keep them out because they would go in every single night and just rip around for like an hour. And then the neighbors would literally call the cops and the RCMP and get mad when the RCMP detachment were like, uh, no, we have like some some different calls that we need to attend to before 17-year-olds kind of ripping around in their lifted F-150s with like the, the fuck Justin Trudeau sign sticker in like their back window. 
how much you want to bet they hasn't have. even done that bad of a job. Like I think people hate him just out of principle. Like I'm not because it's the cool thing to do on Twitter. Everyone like I feel like that's the narrative of like the Canadian election lie. Like let it be known. Like I'm I'm pretty open with my you know political leaning. I don't exactly necessarily vote liberal, but I don't uh, like necessarily think that they've done a bad job either. So like I might have something to think about next election because I do in fact weigh the facts and weigh the performance of an administration, which I think is something that everybody should do, especially in the States, but that'll never happen. Um, okay, but I want to get this in because I want to see if you guys remember, flashback to history class, think way back to like grade 10, grade 11. Please tell me, do you remember the two generals from the Battle of the Plains of Abraham? Are those burned into your head as much as they're burned into my head? No. Shannon knows. Shannon for sure knows. N- <laughs> I, I, I actually don't know if I know. I know who you're talking about, but I don't know if I can put a name to the, to the, to the name and the, or like, I, I don't oh think I can put God. a name to like the multiple classes where I'm like, grade 10, grade 10 for me was American history because history was an elective. It oh, wasn't, okay. it wasn't General Wolf, no? was, yeah. That was one oh, of them. Okay. Maybe I do know. I was, okay. And There's Mont- another one. Montcalm was the French mm. guy. And there's two high schools in the city. One of them is named Wolf and one of them is named Montcalm. And like the general Wolf one, the mascot is like Wiley Coyote. It's like an absolute desecration of like what he was as a human. It's not even the right animal either. Like, come on guys. But that's- and I hope, I, hope you know who, I hope you know who you're talking to other than Shannon in this podcast. Like, does it look like I know anything about the Battle of Abraham, bro? I, don't, I think I fucked the name up just by saying it. Yeah, Dan, I think, I, I think like, well, from my Zoom screen, like the, the left side of the Zoom screen is you and me, Dan. And I'm pretty sure like the only left side is like the only people that like lurk on like the history meme like reddit subreddit thread that's a good good one man there's so many funny freaking posts about that yeah and then the right side of the screen is the anprims me and kanan my my like memories of grade 10 american history was literally watching the patriot with was it mel gibson yeah it was mel gibson and heath ledger yeah that was that was literally the the bulk of what we did it was kind of like the the state of our french education in stonewall and in certain kind of areas in rural manitoba which is actually a big like i don't know i i find it to be a big issue that's just kind of going neglected in terms of how inconsistent french education is provided across manitoba when it's like a requirement for a lot of jobs graduate programs and we're literally like a bilingual province and country um but french education in stonewall was literally show up put on ratatouille in english with french subtitles and that was it and then google translate for like any assignments and literally just (laughs) and like that was literally what the teacher would tell us to do that's the dopest class ever easiest i have ever seen has anyone actually eaten ratatouille before like not the yes. movie, like not the disc. Like the disc. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. specifying. Like just, I was so confused for a well, second. Dude, you literally just called yourself a dumbass five minutes ago. So I figured, okay, I better articulate everything. Like super meticulous. 
from here on up. So yeah, I meant like I meant I'm a dumbass is in. I don't know history. Okay, not okay. like I don't I don't confuse. I'm just checking. <laughs> I'm just checking. No, uh, ratatouille is so good. Isn't that a vegetarian dish? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do it. I make it a lot at the end of summer because my family's garden has a million tomatoes and zucchini and basil and no it's it's good it's a lot of work though but like every time i make it i will put on the movie ratatouille and i will just think i'm like like You're a remy. master chef <laughs> i'm remy yeah <laughs> oh man That's... i don't remember anything about the plot of that movie at all actually i just remember the very end when the sh- uh not the chef the um the Food critic, critic? The critic loves it and has a flashback to like his mom making it for him. That's the only thing about the movie I remember. It's a good one, but I think I like I like Up better for like Pixar movies. Yeah, Up Up is definitely top tier. Up is a top tier like yeah, animated top movie. tier animated movie. It's tough to beat up. I've never seen any of those movies. I've never seen Wall-E. I've never seen Up. I've never really seen Ratatouille. I think I saw Ratatouille once. Monsters Inc. Never seen Monsters, Inc. In its what? Entirety. No, never saw it. I wasn't like a huge Pixar kid growing up or whatever. Like, I liked Shrek. And I was like into like... Shrek is love. Movies, Shrek I is guess. life. Dude, Shrek is love and life. Shrek oh sucked after the second one, though. Like, the third and the fourth ones were just brutal. Like, the first two, nothing can compare. One. Yeah. I think so. I didn't see it. I'll so I guess right that's now. kind of a wrong statement of my own. Was, but... was there what? Sorry? Was there a fourth one? I'm checking right so. now. Well, I mean, there was like a Christmas one that was full length. That Maybe that's counts. it. That kind of counts. I'll, I'll let you have that's that true. if Kanye yeah. pulls that up. But, but like Shrek 2. Shrek 2 is probably one of yeah, the only, four. Like, like the only sequel that has probably outperformed the the like original movie in my opinion back to the future too like the john wick 2 didn't it all right what was the question i was still reading the tricks sequels that are better <laughs> than the original does mad max fury road oh. even though it's not like a sequel does that count it's a great movie and i like it it's and i think it, it should count 22 jump street okay 22 jump street 100 percent better than the, better than the original um yeah that was that was actually a funny movie the first one was whatever the second one was actually like pretty decent um i'm trying to think i i can't even tell you the last time i went to like see a movie yeah Um, i think the last one i saw in theaters was i think the last one i saw in theaters was 1917 actually and i saw it three times that's a really great movie why would you watch it three times because it's a great uh, movie. It was like to me, it was just that good. Like obviously, like I'm like a history buff, like been like a World War One nerd, like not a like it's not like a secret. And like you never see those types of movies. Like nobody gives a shit about World War One in Hollywood. So I wanted to keep like watching it. And I just I also thought it was really good. And I had friends that wanted to go see it. So it's like I would go uh, with like, this one friend, then I'd go with like, a couple of other people, and I had a third group that wanted to go see it. And I was like, I was happy to instigate those plans each and every time. Do you think we can somehow loop this conversation about movies back to my slander of the social dilemma and how fucking irritatingly awful that movie was? Because any kind of value they could have provided, they ruined with their shit format. Okay, I I haven't seen it. 
because I, I didn't watch it because I kind of made the perhaps wrong initial statement after just like, or like the assumption after kind of reading the summary of it that I kind of already knew what the conclusion was going to be. But what was like the main premise? Like, like what was their question and what was their conclusion? The, the premise of it and their conclusion was basically that each individual, your, your social media accounts and your online presence is almost like a projection of yourself or it's like, um, it's not a projection, but imagine like the metaphor they used was like a mannequin. So it's like when you first get an online presence, it's kind of like this blank slate and then everything, like all of your different social media platforms, Google, um, your online retail, it basically starts to piece together this mannequin into like an online version of yourself. And like the more that it, the more information it collects, the more it's able to learn about you and your habits and your tendencies and what you think and what you like and all that sort of stuff. And then what happens is, is they tailor everything to, to that. So basically their conclusion is that the more time you spend online, the more information they collect, the more information they collect, the more things they're going to show you that reinforce your beliefs. It's, it's never necessary. It goes from things that, because there's a phase in the middle and this is how I interpreted it. And you could like, you could correct me bueno, but basically there's a point from the beginning until the middle of your avatar's completion where it's information collection and they throw a lot of things at you. It's like, you might be interested in, you might be interested in. And that's kind of like when you go on YouTube, when you're, you make a new account or you go on Instagram or Twitter, when you make a new account, it's like, you may be interested in these different accounts. So then originally that's the first like bit of data that it collects. And then it gets to this midpoint where it stops showing you things you might be interested in. And it just only shows things that will deepen yeah. your interest in what you're already interested in. And the effects of that are obviously political polarization. That was a pretty prominent theme in that. I, I think you could agree there, Bueno. Mm -hmm. And then it obviously extends into, um, fashion and brands and um, media consumption in terms of like types of comedy and stuff like that. So it go, yeah, it goes from learning about you to pretty much just trying to define you and further entrench you in the information that's already connected or collected. So you've kind of defined yourself and they're just wanting to crystallize that definition of you by showing you things that just keep reinforcing what it thinks you should be thinking yeah so it's, so, so it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy that's like influenced and shaped by yeah like social you, media like and, an example of it was and sort like sorry i didn't let you finish that by the way but like the example of it was if you uh if you live in california for example and you type in you know climate change is google will recommend the autocorrect like climate change is bad, climate change is uh, a threat, climate change is, is happening, whatever. And then if you live in like Missouri and you type in climate change, it automatically like fills in climate change is a hoax, climate mm -hmm. change is man or uh, is not man-made, climate change is going to go away. 
So it already has some like predetermined assumptions about yourself that mm-hmm. are already made based on little to no information. And a lot of the time that's based on your age and your region. And then if you start searching for contradicting things, then it kind of resets and starts showing things that just feed into what you're already looking for. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, that's, that's not surprising. And I think at the end of the day, that is just the result of the fact that the internet and the individuals and the, and the companies behind the internet on these social media platforms, they're not innocent. Like they, they come to produce whatever they have with kind of an underlying assumption and kind of political leanings and preferences and whatnot. But then at the end of the day too, they will take individuals that make the intentional and the willing decision to kind of get on these social media platforms and cater or, or do what they can to kind of like create like, yeah, like this kind of like social media identity that is in some way supposed to kind of like reflect their own preferences in person. But I would say what they kind of provide on social media can actually really shape who they are in person and what they believe in. Like, like for me, a lot of kind of like the area of interest and like research that I'm doing right now that I'm like intending to kind of pursue in graduate studies is extremism and like primarily looking at right-wing extremism and algorithms on Facebook are a huge issue when it comes to conspiracy theories um, and promoting and actually getting individuals to be exposed to a lot more extremist views if they kind of like if if they look up the like like the example of something like an an account that is anti-justin trudeau yeah that if, if they like that account if it suggests different accounts it can go down a rabbit hole it can become anti-justin trudeau to anti-authority to this conspiracy theory about how the government is always out to get you and you need to take up arms against the government and join an anti-authority militia and start to prepare for some sort of tyrannical regime or overthrow the government. And it's just kind of like some, in, a lot of people will look at that and think like, that's that like, like, like that's ridiculous. And then they stop there. But then there's people that are gullible and quite vulnerable to continuing down that rabbit hole. And that's how radicalization begins and is continuously pursued by the fact that a lot of these elements are mainstreamed into society, into social media, and then from algorithms, then it can just kind of lead down that rabbit hole to becoming more extreme as it is, which yeah. it's pretty scary. But like when, like the, like the first thing that I think of with like the social dilemma and stuff, like I was just kind of like, when you explain it more, it's kind of like, okay, I get the political undertones of it. But I mean, like, this is something that like impacts people like content creators and stuff like that, I'm sure. And like influencers that depend on social media platforms for their brand or whatnot i'm like kind of like i wonder what would happen if some of them watch that and what if they would just kind of continuously doing what they do considering that they connect their livelihood to social media or if they would consider elsewise and step away from a platform of creating content anybody even gives influencers the light of day anymore to be completely honest like it is so well known that social media is not an accurate projection of yourself. It's a, it's a perfected version of yourself or maybe not even perfected. It's a certain way that you present yourself. Obviously I present myself, uh, 
I don't know, like there's obviously elements of how I actually am online, but then there's also, you know, humor and posts that I make that I would never make in a office situation in my, in my profession or with my family. So I don't really know if my social media even represents who I am. Probably not is the answer, but the same rule applies for every type of influencer. Like even if the message they're sending is supposedly good, uh, or even if they're whatever it is they're encouraging is inherently good. I don't know why people even subscribe to it because they are not that same person in real life. That's not their actual beliefs, their actual thought processes, yeah. their actual uh, daily activities. Um, like it is a hundred percent a show. And I don't think that there is any sort of room for that to actually create value because they're not a real person. It's, it's not, can I offer a counterpoint a person, but it's not a real attitude it's not a real i don't know i'm gonna i'm just gonna leave it at that <laughs> that's like could, could i offer a counterpoint literally none of none of that is real yes i'd love to hear your counterpoint. okay here's here's my kind of let me let me play devil's advocate pushes glasses up nose oh, puts puts Christ. hand up in the back of the class uh specifically only after shannon made a point because i want to dunk on her in class um like every student in university ever but here's my thing Every person, every human being on the planet is an influencer. And I'm not trying to make this huge and giant blanket statement to justify people selling things on Instagram or whatever. That's not my point. I think as a society, and this is my own personal belief, if you guys think I'm wrong on this, absolutely let me know. I don't think we should be looking at other people and being like, why are we giving uh, them the light of day or X, Y, Z? And this kind of relates back to... uh, what Shanna was saying earlier, I can't remember what the hell she was saying earlier, but I kind of thought of this. Oh, about businesses and relying on them for uh, statements on social justice. Because we talked about this a couple episodes ago with Natalie Bell. Again, I don't think it's, I don't think we should look to businesses for social justice statements because again, like Shannon said earlier, their jobs to make money. So if you look to the NBA and say, oh, they're doing amazing things because of Black Lives Matter, that's fine if you believe in Black Lives Matter. However, know that they specifically moved away from what's going on in China because it hurts their pockets. So don't be so naive to think that the NBA is this extremely woke, uh, egalitarian, equal rights machine. No, they, they do need money to survive and the cap takes a huge hit. And I'm going to go way down an NBA rabbit hole. I think to wrap this all kind of up, we should be encouraging people to just think for themselves independently rather than focusing on what the outside are doing, right? Like instead of looking to businesses for social justice statements, instead of looking to influencers to tell us how to live our lives. And I'm sure there could be value in there, you know, quote unquote influencers. Everybody influences everybody's life. Everybody's a role model to every other person in some way, shape, form or capacity. Instead of just kind of focusing on what's out there, why don't we try to focus more on how we see things and our view of the world and thinking independently and not just conforming? That's my offer. Okay. I'm going to jump off of that um, because I agree primarily with Dan, um, Mm -hmm. but I just want to kind of clear things up a bit here. Sure. I think like with my position, by the way, thank you for clearing everything up. We need to make 2020 and 2021 the year of clearing things up before anybody says anything. Great start to that, Shan. <laughs> Go for it. Laughing. Why? What is, what's funny about that? Am I a joke to you? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I got nothing to say on that. <laughs> don't you so, have something better to do? Like get a haircut or something? <laughs> Fuck no. So, okay. Okay. Go. And my so career, Shan. things up, how I 
try and like just articulate kind of my position on influencing because I mean I, I think a lot of people know that I'm I've been widely critical of a lot of social media influencers and a lot of kind of practices and the messages that they send. Um, and I think a lot of things that a lot of people need to point out when they're kind of re referencing influencers is remembering that there's profit involved and that there's a difference between people that are sending a message and that aren't getting paid. And then there's a people, there's people that are actually getting paid for it and are kind of sending messages because there's a bit of an intention behind it in order to make money. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of consider the ability, and, and this is kind of just reflective of a perspective of someone that spent a bulk of her university time doing unpaid, like like social justice work yes. that went uncompensated for um, and was taken advantage of by university administrations, businesses mm -hmm. for doing, putting in, countless hours a week of doing unpaid uncompensated for social justice work um which i'm totally thankful for um in the first place because i did it out of a position of not wanting to get paid for it although it would have been nice to be compensated or actually been given some sort of credit that didn't have to be financial but at the end of the day um so looking at a lot of social media influencers and i have to be careful because i'm when i'm saying this i'm not generalizing everyone of course um, of course not yeah. i i look at the idea of what it comes to kind of creating a brand around social media influencing and a lot of these social media influencers that are sending a great message of course a lot of them are getting paid for it which i think is a part where I can become a bit more critical because you look at the ability to actually influence in the first place and you have to have a position of privilege in order to have to kind of like, I'll reflect back to what Dan, you said earlier with the idea of like businesses getting started and like the young businesses that are barely given a chance in the first place because of the monopolies of like companies and whatnot that they just end up getting bought out is in order to actually really get a really strong kind of effective platform going for a lot of people, because there is a bit of aspect of branding involved and that usually for a lot of like women, particularly that involves their face and their appearance. First and foremost, you need to have good internet connection. You need to have a nice phone, which already kind of creates an issue of privilege and class because you've got people that have access to that and then you have people that don't have access to that. So they're already kind of given an upper hand and a benefit of that. So there's unequal footing there. But then you've also got kind of physical appearance mm -hmm. and a lot, of, a lot of influencers before they became well-known, I'm generalizing a bit because I don't go into the background of them, but there seems to be a pattern where a lot of really successful ones that end up promoting a social justice message were popular before they actually started out and they already had a pretty big following to begin with in their hometown or whatnot. So then you've already got kind of a bit of upper hand there. And then you look at a lot of the material that they're kind of giving and that they're sending out and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's nothing unique and it's nothing that they've created. And in fact, a lot of it. So I actually wait, before I go back to that, going back to their image, then you kind of look at a theme before kind of a lot of this diversity kind of emphasis on diversity BIPOC, um, which is incredibly important before a lot of this happened. And even to this day, influencing benefits white, privileged, pretty women. Um, and that's just basically reflective of our, of our society. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I like to think that could be a generalization, but that's just a basic fact when you go on social media. Um, and then you look at the messages that they're sending and a lot of the, like, but I kind of going back to a lot of the content that they're sending, it's great. It's a great social justice message and it's really worthy of actually being put out. And a lot of them are using their, their platforms for good. Um, but they're sending out messaging and whatnot that other people primarily that don't have those privileges that they have and are often typically not white, pretty women yeah. are actually the ones that are doing all the work in order to create that message, to create mm -hmm. that content, to create that material, to actually go out and do the work mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, these women typically with really nice and successful platforms that were often given to them prior because of privilege, they're able to co-opt and send out, which is great, but then they're the ones that are getting paid for it. It's yeah. like, it, it goes back to like when I did a lot of work with the university with social justice, we did a lot of behind the doors work when it came to a lot of like sexual violence, like activism and advocacy with the university. And then they ended up producing like a lot of, of a lot of great things, like a new sexual violence policy awesome. and, and like a, an app and everything like that. And like a, that's amazing. Like a learning, like, like a, like a, kind of like a training thing for mm -hmm. UM Learn and everything like that. And it was all credited to the university. Like, like there's like the amount of people that the amount of work of people and social justice activists that did all that work with to essentially give to the university and the university kind of puts a stamp on it and then they get credit for it. No, that's it's, not, that's not fair at all. Well, well it's, and it's reflective of a lot of this social, of a lot of this influencer work. And then, so it's just kind of like, I, like, I mean, this is just a, like, this kind of is my normative position on it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Go for it. And it's just reflective of my own experience. And that's not to say that influencers are terrible. And I understand that this world sucks and there's great messages that they're sending to mm -hmm. kind of remedy a lot of the suckiness of this world. Mm -hmm. In addition to the fact that people are struggling economically and financially and need to get paid. Um, so that's just completely recognizable of that fact. But then there's also just the fact that just from my experience, a lot of these, a lot of these women that um, do have these successful platforms and are getting paid for doing it, they come from backgrounds with money mm -hmm. um, of wealth. And then they're also getting sent a lot of free products and clothing to promote on their brand. But I would like to see like six months down the road if they actually use that. And like if it goes in the back of their closet, if they donate it, and it's just kind of like, I, like I, 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 I can't support stuff like that. And like, this is just like what I said, this is speaking to a very specific type of social yeah, media of, of influencer. Course, of course. And not like, like a, a lot of the, in my opinion, a lot of, if not all of like the BIPOC influencers and people that aren't reflective of that kind of stereotypical influencer privileged kind of background and be to begin with, I think, you know, it's, it's a platform that they're deserving of having. Um, but then also, I mean, I, I don't want to say deserving of having, because I would assume that other people aren't deserving of having that platform, but that's something I can empathize with a lot more. Um, in that there's likely a lot more work involved in actually getting that platform to begin with. And systemically, they've been kind of prevented from actually being able to have that privilege to get that platform to begin with. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the idea of 
I, I just end up finding like a lot of like the influencers who got paid for this start crying about when people criticize them for their public platform. And at the end of the day, if you're going out of your way to create a public platform so you can get paid and there's always profit involved, in my opinion, that messaging, it, it kind of creates some inauthenticity when it comes to that messaging. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, there's no reason for why you're not worthy of getting criticized if you're purposely kind of going out of your way to create a platform of you to be criticized. That's not to say sure. you need to be bullied, but there's constructive criticism and it's a public platform to begin with. Yeah. The, the slander is going to happen if you're on Instagram. Like let's, who are we fucking getting? I guess I, I do want to apologize to Dan because I said a counterpoint and I think now I think about it more, I agree with his point more than anything, which is don't necessarily worry about what in, in, these influencers quote unquote are saying, worry more about what you can do and what you can provide. Right. I guess what I'm thinking of with this whole influencer thing, uh, it really makes me think of the Scarlett Johansson movie role that she got to play a transgender person. And it made me think like, I felt really torn on it because on one hand, I agree with you. I totally see what you're saying. You know, there is a classist kind of uh, racial undertones to um, how influencers are treated. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, they can act whiny. I think, and here comes my centrist galaxy brain again. Like it's somewhere in the middle. That's human nature. Ha ha ha. I am above everybody. I'm not. But it makes me think of the, the Scarlett Johansson movie where it's like, on one hand, I think it's amazing that they're having a movie who the main character is trans. That's incredible. On the other hand, I can see why people would prefer it to be a trans actor who actually gets to play the role. On the other hand, I know Scarlett Johansson's an A-list actor, so it's be I think it's beneficial. Then again, I'm not a trans person. I don't know, so I'm not trying to speak on behalf of people. Uh, I think it's beneficial to get the message out there with the person with the highest influence so that people can see it, right? And other people say, no, it's, it's inauthentic, right? So... I get where you're coming from. I totally, absolutely understand that. that. You know, if I think if you can get paid for it, get paid for it. Unless it's like, like murdering people. Don't do that. But, you know, sex work, influencer work, I understand it. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to hate the people or hate the game. I think it's all valid. If you can get paid to try out products on Instagram, you should do that. That being absolutely. said. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I agree. Um, and, and this isn't really a counterpoint because I, I agree. And I, and I mm -hmm. want to kind of just like really, I guess, kind of engrave that when I say I am like, I, I don't think social media is like, I mean, I, I don't think social media influencers um, are unworthy of being criticized or whatnot. Like I think social media influencers aren't deserving of being cyber bullied. I, yeah. I, 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 I think it's terrible when people just kind of pick on people and bully them because they're simply a social media influencer. I think when it comes to the actually the ability and, and the fact that when it comes to a public platform, there's no transparency involved or very little transparency involved in influencing. And at the end of the day, it's just the outcome or the output that is really all that matters. If the, I, I think the fact that a message can be really expanded upon with a public influencer and that has a large platform, I think that can be agreed that that is a great thing. And I mean, a lot of people that are involved in creating that message in the first place that don't have that platform to see it put out in person are incredibly grateful for doing that. But I think at the same time, you can also kind of point out a lot of times the systemic um, inequities and discrimination that happens in the process that is largely 
put in the background or kind of brushed away just for the purpose of sending the message out. Like, like sure. when it comes to getting paid for a lot of this, like, is there money being put back into the, is, are these influencers giving a large portion of their profits and money that they're making to the people that created this message in the first place? Are they actually kind of, instead of just giving them like a nice little shout out on their story, which I mean, it's, it's nice too, but it's just kind of like, I just don't like this lack of like redistribution um, when it comes to the profits that are being made off of this and also the credit that's being given. And it's just, it's just like, I I see a lot of the same messaging that's just kind of mindlessly reposted and reproduced alongside a lot of like influencers. And it's just kind of like, I, and I mean like this, this is just like my position. And I mean, I, I don't know a lot of them, but it's kind of like, I, I really want to know, like, if in person, if, like, this is actually, like, a meaningful conversation that you want and that they would actually be able to have with a lot of the stuff that they're just simply kind of posting and moving on with their day about. Like, and I'm not saying that that they shouldn't be posting about it, but it's just kind of, like, is, is there meaning behind it other than just kind of putting something on your story and then pressing send and then just kind of going back to what you're doing for the rest of the day? Like it kind of gets to well, how, how do we know that that's what they're doing though? That's also but, my, but, but, but like, that's, that's the question. And like, that's where I'm trying my best to not come like from a position of judgment, because I do mm. know that like a lot of them do mean, and most of them do mean well, but that's the issue is that like, there's just so much, there's like so little transparency that is not often the fault of the influencer to begin with is just social media in general that it leads them very susceptible and vulnerable to being attacked and to being criticized which some of that criticism is warranted but a lot of it isn't because it's just cyberbullying mm-hmm. and so i think that's just kind of a nature the nature of influencing that unfortunately when it comes to putting yourself in a position to have a public platform so you can kind of and you can get the benefit of making a profit out of it. I think that just requires accepting that it's a pretty hostile area um, of money making to begin with, considering that it's also on social media. Sorry, I wasn't nodding at you. Somebody walked in the room. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I, th- I think I agree with you. And I kind of go back to my, my point of agreeing with Dan when I didn't agree with him initially, which I did, but which that's is... Really <laughs> which is, yeah, I'm just taking his point now. Fuck you, Dan. Um, which is right. Like regardless of what other people are doing, it's good to acknowledge it. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but it's like, okay, well, we need to learn how to think independently. Right. It makes me think of, uh, the question of if you do something good with selfish intentions, does that make you a bad person? Right. And for a, a less, I think, uh, a less good example, can't fucking speak English. I think of the naked philanthropist, right. I used to have arguments with my friends about this all the time. Some people were like, that's disgusting that they would sell nudes for money and claim it's good by giving it to the Australian fires. I'm like, fuck you. They made a difference. Like, what are you doing? They made a difference, right? <laughs> they actually donated money for the Australian. Oh, yeah, I remember that was a thing. Yeah. She literally sold her nudes till she raised yeah. a million, a million dollars. I tried Australian- to do the same thing to raise money for the Asper School of Business, but nobody... <laughs> Nobody bought them, so I, I must have missed that link. You'll have to send that to me later. But um, yeah, get on that. <laughs> I think I saw some of those hanging up in the tier washroom at the University of Manitoba a few weeks. Yeah, ago. yeah, it was one of the only times I've uh, trimmed my torso hair in like three years. It's good. <laughs> yeah, you 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 use the male gendered hairbrush, right? And the- uh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, K 
Okay. But last yeah, thing, right. Last thing on the influencer. Oh shit. You didn't even finish your point. Oh, I oh you finish. I'll wrap it up with this. Thank you. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Cause it, it will get too long. Right. Some people say, Oh, that's disgusting. She sold nudes. I think she raised a million dollars. And then there's the other thing of, well, you know, there are underprivileged and, uh, you know, marginalized sex workers who are not getting this type of shine. And I understand that's unfortunate. However, at the same time, she also did something really good. So like there are multiple ways of looking at it. Right. Okay. I, I agree entirely. But I also think we need to differentiate, and I mean, maybe I'm simplifying this too, too much. Perhaps. But there's also a difference between sex work, but then also influencing where you're making money off of other people's content that they're produced, that they've produced, and that they're actually not getting compensated for versus sex work. There, there is, there is for sure. I guess there's a similar type of conversation about when famous celebrities decide to get an OnlyFans. Yeah. Right. So it, it's not a perfect example. And that's it, something I don't agree with. <laughs> it's, it's not a perfect but, example. But again, it's something that kind of, I think, similar along the lines kind of mirrors it well. Anyways, Dan, you were, you were saying. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, and I'll try to keep this relatively concise. Um, influencing. Um, the first question is, is your messaging? What are you influencing? And does your influence uh, or does your the message of your influence change based on external interests? Um, and the answer is pretty much overwhelmingly yes. If certain things stop being lucrative and new things are, chances are you're going to see a change in your messaging. Um, anyways, I think the reality is it depends on the type of influencing because look, like there's fitness influencers. Okay. You know, that's, that's one thing. If you're, if you're a fitness guru and you're in terrific shape, you could probably influence for that. If you have, and to Shannon's point, if you have a, an attractive white female mm-hmm. who's trying to influence for Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. or, uh, or if they're straight, if they're trying to influence for LGBTQ, um, I think that that's actually an instance where you're supposed to kind of shut the fuck up and let those people um, have their voices heard. So for example, uh, there is a point in time where there was, I can't remember what it was on, but it was on Twitter and it was on social media. It might've been kind of after that NHL group chat came out. I I can't exactly remember, but it was, was there was a lot of voices. There was a lot of, uh, women's voices that were kind of coming out about different experiences that they've had of being shamed or just, I can't remember what it was, but the point is my entire stance on that was, is there shouldn't be a single dude that's posting about that. That is entirely up to women to be sharing their concerns and sharing their thoughts. The same thing with black lives matter. Um, The same thing with pretty much any marginalized group. Mm -hmm. The, I understand, you know, maybe the influencer's intent is in the right place. Um, but pretty much it's a little bit tone deaf because you're somebody that has never faced any of those issues that those other people face and, and you're speaking on behalf of them. Or, you know, even if you're encouraging them, it depending on how you do it, it may come across as a little bit of that kind of white savior complex that, hmm. you know, encouraging mother kind of complex. Mm-hmm. I think in that situation, it's almost best to leave it be, you know, show your support, mm-hmm. let it be known that you're not against them in any sort of way, but 
leave everybody who needs to do the talking, let them do the talking, don't muddle it whatsoever. That's kind of my stance on that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, Shan, do you have actually, do you have anything to say before I jump in? Uh, not, not really. And I mean, I think Dan, you're really kind of speaking to the idea of performative activism in that people will kind of go along with movements that are incredibly important and whatnot. Um, and that the message is really crucial um, to send out and actually to enact social change. But at the end of the day, um, I, I, think, I think a barrier to that authenticity um, when it comes to a lot of social media influencer platforms is that kind of profit aspect that's always in there. And it's just kind of like, you can still really care about a cause and be authentic, but when, when that aspect of making money from posting content and getting ads and views from doing it is there, no matter what, it's impossible to kind of avoid public criticism for doing that. And I find a lot of gaslighting can kind of happen as a result in that people aren't deserving of public criticism and whatnot. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, like, like a, a lot of the criticism can be unwarranted, but it's kind of like you're putting yourself in that position to do that. And, and I do find like, especially a lot of things with like Black Lives Matter and a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of the things with um, Indigenous activism, um, a lot of it does kind of seem quite performative and inauthentic by a lot of people who kind of feel the need that their activism can only and is only needed to extend as far as how many stories they're posting on Instagram versus the actual work that they're kind of doing behind the scenes, which mm -hmm. is a lot more important. But at the end of the day too, spreading that message and getting it out is crucial to survival and actually the progress of social change. Um, so you, it's, it's really, you have to be careful about kind of like not undermining that when you're making a really emphasis on doing work behind the scenes and off of social media, but it can be a slippery slope into kind of just performative activism, which I've, I've, I've found, especially I think with COVID-19, because everyone's just has nothing to do other than social media, that people are just kind of resorting to that. Yeah. yeah. Just to kind of piggyback off your point there, like I had a talk with a friend recently and it was about like performative activism and it was more long more or less along the lines that like yeah like performative activism is it's not perfect like it does it i mean it it sends the message it's supporting the message quote unquote but like there's also this like underlying fact that like just because you're doing it for your selfish reasons to like push this narrative like a, a, like on, on your personality or like to your followers or whatever right like there's a chance that you might make a post or retweet or like a like something and someone who doesn't really know what's going on or like doesn't really like care that much they might see that and like it could change their narrative and it can change like how, how they think of it like yeah it just uh, as much as like performative activism isn't good or like or any, activism in general any at anything it's just like there's a chance that someone might see that and it could and it can make a difference in their life or make a difference in like the whole like movement right but yeah yeah i, I think i understand where you're coming from dan with like the elevate marginalized voices for marginalized communities and i do think obviously that's a necessary component you can't leave that out that being said i would love to see you know people talk about their experiences and their opinions on what's actually going on if it's true and honest to them and if your view is like wrong or not wrong i hate using those such binary terms but like if your view is uneducated or off 
all you have to do is be like, oh, I'm not, I don't know too much about this, but mm-hmm. what I, from what I've heard and what I've seen blank, what is, what is, what does that mean? Like, and it's obviously you don't, don't, don't just go to like marginalized communities and be like, teach me now. I don't have Google. Right. Unless you actually don't have Google, then I, I'm sorry. Then, you know, but I, I do think there is that mix, right? Like, I think it's good to see white people supporting black lives matter. I think it's good to see white people supporting uh, indigenous lives uh, and the movement of trying to, you know, in, I sound like a fucking dumbass right now. Um, you know, trying to support indigenous rights and all that. I think it's good to see men talking about women's issues. I think it's good to see women talking about men's issues. I think it's good to see cisgender people talking about transgender issues. I think if we further the conversation without, you know, building an echo chamber, like, you know, to tie a nice little bow on the social dilemma and, echo chamber and all that rabbit hole stuff together uh, without getting too lost in that and thinking critically and independently, independent thought is big in my mind right now. Um, then we yeah. can kind of navigate the environment much better. Yeah. I don't, I know what you mean by talking and I, I understand what you mean by talking, but yeah. I think it's not even just talking about these issues anymore. Cause you could talk about anything. Cause, cause talking means like you could say this, you could say that. some of it could be baseless a lot of it could be baseless i think the point is is we need to have due consideration for these issues right Right. and it's not just it's not just talking it's not just posting in your feed it's not just posting a black rectangle on your instagram square square whatever (laughs) four-sided that was terrible yeah black triangular prism whatever four-sided shape you know there's something that it gets to a point where even if the intention is good, uh, a lack of effort or a lack of meaningful participation pretty much uh, strips it bare of meaning. So mm-hmm. pretty much anything needs to have due consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, with that 100%. And, and, you know, you said something earlier about, uh, you know, people not, not being able to say, uh, Hey, you know what? I don't know. I'm not really uh, overly educated on that. Mm-hmm. I think people would rather brand themselves with a with a hot poker um, on the chest with the word idiot, or they would probably equate that to saying, "Hey, I don't know." That's okay. Say, there is it is almost a mortal sin, especially on social media when everybody knows everything. It is a mortal sin to say, "Hey, I don't know." For some reason, I don't. I don't think that it's right. I don't think. I think that everybody needs to put their ego in check and be able to say that. Um, it's never going to happen. People will never be able to willingly say, "I don't know," especially if it's in a position where it could somehow come across as embarrassing or as a lack of intellect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I. I agree. And I mean, I. I. I don't have much to add to that, but yeah, I think. I think the idea, and it's. It's not even just kind of referencing to like black lives matter and everything like that but just in general like i find especially with social media a big thing on like on the left especially is kind of like the idea that like everyone should be every kind of authentic left-wing person needs to be has the most kind of updated and recent knowledge of the most kind of woke activism and whatnot and if if you didn't know the the, the latest kind of theory or whatnot that's just been released of of new wokeness um I'm, I'm kind of kidding there but but you know like then then you're just kind of like only kind of only kind of but then but then you're kind of like viewed viewed as an idiot and it kind of results in a lot of people kind of scared of 
having their own position or opinion on something or just kind of going along with other people that are more, more vocal about it. And that kind of creates that kind of mob aspect. And I think more people need to be less, um, I think, or, or they need to be more accepting that they don't need to have a position and they don't need to, or, or, or not a position, but it's, it's okay to humble yourself and say, hey, like, I don't know the most on this topic. Um, so I can't really make a position right now or like I, I need to actually do put in the work, put in the effort to actually kind of increase my knowledge on this topic before I can really actually feel like I can provide an effective and meaningful position or contribution to this conversation being had. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of times that's been, that's, that's met with hostility. That's met with anger. Um, it's because we equate participation with contribution a lot of the time or people yeah. do that in their head. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, too, I, I will add that, like, I mean, if if someone is actually passionate and like wanting to learn more about and become more knowledgeable on a topic, if they do acknowledge that they don't have the best kind of understanding of an issue, then there does need to be that effort after the fact put in um, in order to actually increase their knowledge on it if they actually care, which I mean, then that kind of just, I think, differentiates between people that don't know anything about a topic and then actually don't really care to put in the effort, which if it's a position that I care about, then I will kind of view that as problematic, um, although to each their own. But if it's actually like a, an issue that they do care about, but they just don't know anything about, if they do actually put in that effort after, like actually put, seek to kind of understand the more that they can actually learn on that topic, mm -hmm. then criticism on my part, if I do care about that issue is unwarranted. Yeah. yeah, I do think there is this, especially when the George, George Floyd thing happened immediately, there was, I saw a lot of posts saying like, if you're not doing this, 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 and this, like I see you and you're against me. And it's like, yo, I understand that it's an important issue. I get it. But like time out, time out, time out for a second. Like it's a glow. We're in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people are scared fucking shitless. They have no idea what's going on. That's a, that to me is incredibly judgmental and incredibly just like nearsighted to say, oh, if I don't see X, Y, like what if they got caught up in the algorithm and you didn't see it? What are you gonna do? Fucking write their name down on a whiteboard and be like, yeah, when I see Kanan later, I'm gonna fucking kill him. Like, no, I don't think anybody's actually like going that far, but just the idea that if you're not a part of the mob, you're a bad person. If you don't have an opinion, you're a bad person. You must be on my wavelength at all times and you must be current up to say, like, yo man, people are here dying. Like people have family issues. People have things going on, right? If, if you're actually uneducated and you got things going on and you don't know, but you're like, I can't put any energy to this right now because my mental health won't allow it. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not like hoping somebody could misconstrue this and they're like, it's okay to not care about injustices. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying, have compassion for people, lead with compassion. And I'm kind of coming off judgmental. So I apologize, but that's my soapbox. No, 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 I agree. Um, I think, I think like, especially in this time, um, at the, I mean, like, like, well, well, my position is since I do kind of care about like social justice, especially for sure. if, if I was in that position myself, I, I still think it's important to kind of put in that effort to, mm. to like, actually like advance these, the, like, like these issues of injustice in our society, but that's also just like my mm. position and my background. Yeah, but sure. I, I do think, especially within the pandemic, that people need to actually kind of re really be empathetic to the 
experiences of others to um, to what we're all kind of going through. And I mean, like, I think this has been burdensome on a, the mental health of a lot of us. Um, and I mean, this is kind of unrelated to injustice, but like for me, like when I deleted my Twitter for a bit, um, kind of like one of like the, like, I guess kind of red flags that kind of just went into my mind. Um, after everything kind of building up and I was under a lot of stress with school and not really having a good time with my mental health before I deleted my Twitter is I like looked through my messages and I, I ended up coming out of my messages just kind of wondering like I'm very unhappy I was like where have I what have I become on Twitter because like I would get a few messages a week of people sending me screenshots of people of messages asking me to air out this person on my social media because of something that they said because of um something that they didn't like that they didn't do that um whatnot and like and, and a lot of it was was stuff that i don't agree with like a lot of it was kind of like sexist and just kind of like just just stuff that definitely like I mean I mean if, if I was in person I would give my position and perspective on it and kind of counterclaim. Mm -hmm. But I also don't know the person. I don't know if it actually came from a meaning of hateful intent versus just lack of knowledge. And then it kind of made me wonder, I'm like, what has my Twitter become to the point where I'm attracting people specifically to air people out and ruin their lives? Like like it's just kind of like like for me, especially, I mean, I mean, regardless of the fact that people are kind of going through these issues right now with the pandemic and mental health, it's kind of like, why do I want to kind of feel like I want to feed that negativity in my own life and essentially do, like put this burden on myself to do that? And then I kind of faced like a bit of dilemma. I was like, well, I need to do this in order to kind of be an ally of and, and continue my kind of like strong position of being very vocal about social justice and like these areas of injustice in our society. And then I'm like, well, then when did I start equating being contributing to positive social justice to airing people out and ruining their lives on social media? And that's when I was kind of like, okay, I, I think I need to take a break on Twitter and kind of reevaluate like my platform and the messages that I'm sending and the people that I'm attracting and just being a bit more em empathetic and understanding that you can be more empathetic in, I think, society. And then at the same time, it doesn't have to undermine your ability to actually contribute positive to issues in this world um, and whatnot. But that was a bit of a tangent. But like, yeah, I guess that just kind of resonated with why I think during this time, people are all on social media, people are have nothing to do, they're bored. And I think the attacking has kind of increased a lot because of social media and COVID. The world's becoming a lot more polarized um, and it's kind of resulted in a lot of people attacking others. And I don't think a lot of people that are engaging in it because of how addictive and like power empowering it can be to oddly say, I think a lot of people are just kind of separating the fact or just like not aware of the fact of how terrible consequences can result because of that for other people in their lives especially if it comes from not one of hateful intent but just a lack of knowledge and education and mm. it's just yeah it's it's toxic
Okay, perfect. Dan, Shannon, thank you so much. Uh, this is a fucking awesome time. I had a great time. Also feeling extremely stupid about everything you guys said because I have no idea some of the words you guys were using, but that's okay. We'll learn every day here on Winnipeg's Finest. Uh, is there anything you guys would like to say or leave? Shannon, I love that you're petting your cat in the background. Um, before we go. <laughs> she's, she's a little shit. Um, for me, I, I never know what to say. I don't know. Wear a mask. Be kind to people. Um, I... I understand that like, I mean, I mean, even myself, I, I, I don't like seeing people out and doing things right now, um, especially with COVID, but then also just kind of be, I think, empathetic towards the positions of everyone right now and just, just play your part and realize that it's not just yourself, I think, going through this pandemic and everyone's um, kind of experiencing a lot of things. So being a good neighbor, I think, is just moving forward. Probably the best thing you can do and take care of yourself. And wear a mask. Please wear a mask. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> excellent. I'll, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just leave it with this. Uh, save 30% of your CERB checks for your tax bill. It's going to come next April. Contribute to your TFSA and have a great night. <laughs> Perfect. Look at that. We covered all the bases here on the pod. This was a great time. I really enjoyed this. It was good to have you guys in the same Thanks for having us. room, same Zoom room. There we go. It was, it was nice to actually, after that hell of trying to like coordinate everyone into one night. I, know. <laughs> I swear to God, if you worked tonight, I was going to lose my shit. Bro, I was same. like, okay. <laughs> okay, oh, no, okay. I, I felt okay. so fucking bad because like Blue no, said the reminder and I was like, oh, Fuck! No. I didn't realize. I was like, "Oh shit!" I didn't say anything, and then Kanan, you only felt out. you only felt bad when they gave you shit. When I was like, "Oh shit!" You're like, "Yeah, fuck you! I don't care." Um, have I... you seen the movie The Accountant? That's what I was gonna do to you, and then I was gonna go home and like start rolling pin my shins and stuff like that afterwards. So. You were you were about to be the next in line for my Osborne Village guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Kanan. <laughs> Right. next time i'll make sure don't worry jeez <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I mean i would have had no problem rescheduling but i was gonna drop the bomb and say that it probably wouldn't happen until like december and christmas break yeah i assumed it would have <laughs> taken i i assumed it would have taken like a super long time to get all four of us in the same room so i was like i just called my boss and make yo you need to cover my shift tonight and that's this happens he, he called him and he said i fell down the stairs i can't get up <laughs> I can't find my life alert, man. I don't know. Oh, man, that's funny. But yeah, it was, it was good to actually kind of coordinate after that hell of trying to do that. Weeks, man. It took us weeks to get this, like, actually. It was months. Yeah, months, was, actually. Yeah, true. I mean, weeks fit into months, so technically you're not wrong, Kanan. <laughs> Factual. I'm pretty sure we've been trying to coordinate this since, like, April or March. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Something like that. And uh, yeah, we're trying to boost ratings like crazy in this month. We're, last two weeks, we got over 1,200 and counting. So, Yeah, so. no, no, that was, that was really good. And, and Kay, so I, yeah. I listened to both of them. And I mean, I mean I've, I've, I've listened to like quite a few of them and I really like them. And I mean, I have, mm -hmm. I have my own position on energy, so I won't kind of go into that. Go for um, it. But I, I, I found the episode to be really well done, um, even though I, I, I think Dave Wheeler is like an absolute piece of shit. But I mean, that doesn't really do anything. I thought the, the episode was well done. And I mean, I, I still think Tyler was put in a position, even though like he did have agency to act. I, 
I, I think the, the issue here is the idea of if he actually had agency and autonomy to actually fully make a, a decision when it came to what he was confronted with. But that's also, that's also life. Like, like that, that's mm. essentially the shitty aspect it of is. Like the radio industry. And I mean, I, I don't agree with that shitty aspect, but it's kind of like that positive versus normative position yep. that we're kind of dealing with again. Um, and I mean, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I don't like Adam West. I, I hate Dave Wheeler, but at the end of the day too, I also want to respect that Tyler is a person and that a lot of times that I think a lot of this kind of shit that's being thrown at energy 106 is just kind of dragging Tyler into it too much. And it's, it's harmful. Yeah. I guess one of the things also is like, I try not to make a statement on Wheeler as a person. I reject the things that he said that got him fired. I try not to look too much into things now, other than the question of if there isn't an apology and that's his history, that's what's relevant to me not people digging up his podcast. I try not to make a statement on who he is because I don't know him, but yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I've just accepted that Dave Wheeler is like one of those, um, what is that stupid fucking hockey bard? Barstool? Barstool kind of like just oh, like douchebags. I, I can't stand And like barstool. he's 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 just not like like that's just kind of like his personality. Like like I, I know those people and like that's just who they are and like I, I don't agree with them, but a lot of times that's just what they are and it's what they are for the rest of their lives. It's not to say they can't do good in this world, but like that's just their personality and I, I don't agree with it. But at the end of the day too, that shouldn't affect my opinion on someone else that is just being unfairly dragged into the situation yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right you're absolutely right um peeps leave us a nice apple podcast review we got two nights apple podcast review and i am over the moon even if it was like nicholas bono can suck a fat dick and i hate him i'd be i'd be okay with that it's leave a review what you honestly think of the podcast i don't give a any, fuck any review any review one star five star i'd prefer the five stars but i'm not gonna try to control what you guys really think of me free speech baby <laughs> if, if it makes you feel any better you've been actually been you've your podcast has been getting a spin in in between all of like my foreign policy and like security studies po- podcasts and political podcasts so i appreciate that so much yeah that so means it's the good world. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you a good rating thank you i appreciate that everybody thank you so much for listening this is us signing off on winnipeg's finest have a wonderful week Peace. I'm going to do that one more time because Cannon's mic cut out. Have a wonderful week. Peace. There we go.